And we're live. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Mad Mamluks podcast. My name is Sim. On your left hand, top left hand corner of your screen is Mort. And to my right is my better half, Noreen. Assalamu alaikum, guys. Say hi, everyone. Assalamu Alright, guys, before, before we get started, some show notes real quick. Please like and subscribe this video. Alright? Um, the success of this channel depends on you guys liking and subscribing yeah we also now have a patreon site set up we need your support fellas this is a community based project we can't do it alone without your support so hop on to patreon.com slash the mad mumlukes and help us out a buck or two a month it's not that bad quickly a shout out to halfardeen.com the private matrimonial website know anyone who is looking for marriage perhaps you're looking for marriage go to halfardine.com what do we mean by private private means all the aunties and and exes that you've met in your life they won't find out that you're on half on half just do it everything's private and you get matched with um what if you accidentally got matched with your ex <laughs> i don't heard- <laughs> That would be awesome. Well, that means you guys are meant to be together then. Yeah. <laughs> sort it out. Iron it out and uh, talk about what went wrong. I agree. That's what it means. So once you get your spouse, you want to start investing and you want to get your wife or your life rolling and you you want to make sure you invest wisely and in a Sharia compliant manner, go to wahedinvest.com, get your halal financing sorted out. and. Finally, you want to make sure that your assets and everything go into the right hands. You want to make sure that the, that your kids are in the right care that they want, that you would hope to be in the event that you pass away or something terrible happens. Go to mywasia.com. All right. that See? It's done. Doreen's like, hurry up. You talk too slow. Okay. What, 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 that's, that's, you know what though? Before we get into the show, I just want to make a really cool observation. I just—I mean, something really cool. So yesterday, uh, you know, when I jump onto YouTube, um, you know, right now just to check the live link, um, it, you know, it shows related videos, right? Yeah. So I'm an avid fan of MMA, like a lot of people know now, and so I also follow for us Zahabi, and so he does his live sessions. Yeah. So yesterday we had a live session, and I was uh, commenting on a couple of things. And um, he actually titled the entire episode off my question because I asked him about Chuck and, you know, Tito and what's going to happen with that coming up. And so the whole uh, session name is Chuck versus Tito and much more. So uh, nice. Uh, you're welcome, Mr. Faraz Zahabi, for giving you a title for your, uh, <laughs> for your live session. You're very welcome if you're watching. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. That's awesome. And, oh, another show note is that we've been adding – some polls and stuff in our uh, community area in the channel so if you guys ever want to you know chime in and give us some feedback about what topics that we, we should cover you know go in there and, and you know vote and then you can also put a comment on the bottom saying like hey stop talking about this i'm tired of whatever topic that you guys have been talking about for the past couple of weeks let's talk about something different this is uh your program so we want your involvement in this it's 
very critical for us. Make sure you you talk to us in the chat. We, uh, <clears throat> Noreen and Mort are watching the chat, so blame them if we don't talk about. Yep, yeah, there's only one but... rule: you can't vote me off the show. That's the only rule. Yeah. Everything else goes. Well, I have a question because when we started Taboo Thursdays. Um, I thought it was taboo topics related to relationships, especially since Bob Ali is part of, you know, half our dean. But some of the questions you had on your poll or some of the topics were non-relationship related. So you had like, I think you had the one that I saw was addiction or yeah, drugs well, or something. See, addiction plays into relationships, right? That's why. Oh, by the way, on a side note, Bob Ali couldn't make it. Tonight, someone's sick. Please keep him in your duas. Um, but inshallah, he'll be back. In the... actually, he's traveling next week, so he'll be out next week as well. So um, in are a we... couple weeks, he'll be back. Inshallah. Are we still going to do it next week? It's it's Thanksgiving, right? But people people yeah. are pretending. Yeah, they're I not, be, they're uh, not uh, eating turkey. Day busy, but uh, but I mean, uh, I will be back at home in in Shy Town. So I maybe we can do one in the studio. Ooh. Maybe I can bring some turkey over and we can eat turkey live, oh. and we can show off what we eat. We're gonna have a turkey cook off because I make the best turkey. You don't cook yes, anything. Exactly. I do. <laughs> we know Sim cooks everything. No, no, I, no. She she does. Actually, she learned from some uh, some great chefs. Well, yeah, primarily my dad. And who was I love, so yeah. so listen, yeah. Noreen. My family has been making turkey for almost fifty years in this country. So I think uh, we're yeah, they be, probably make it white like white people. I mean, yes, yeah. I, I make one that tastes like gourma. Okay. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. So good! I swear to God, it's good. good. That sounds so bad. Turkey No, I swear. Oh my no, God! We had we had a Thanksgiving at my dad's, and he made the white people turkey, and I made the daisy turkey. And I like my my turkey was gone, and his turkey was sitting there all sad in a corner, and nobody was touching it. Uh, Ismail Sims' specialty dish is biryani. Uh, he Ooh. makes biryani, no. chicken korma, butter chicken, butter chicken, yeah. uh, and he also has this amazing dude pati that he makes. Yeah, it's that, that's a yeah. a chai, an Indian it's, chai it's, for non Arab for non. Yeah, and for Arabs, it's chai adani. It's you, just he cannot thing. take the biryani, you know, crown from me because I Hyderabadi. You're Pakistani. There's a big difference. I make Hyderabadi biryani. That's all I know how to make. Well, yeah. Nor- Noreen's biryani is pretty good, but it, I mean. It's it's got its own unique taste. Like I don't know what to call it. it. It's like no, he loves. That's a good it. way to put no, it. No, you no, no, no. So <laughs> condescending right now. No, 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 no. Oh my god! Why do I always do this? See, yeah. I I don't know how I got this onto a podcast. How... I don't know how to talk. Yeah. See, what this what is I meant relationship was relationship issues. No, no. Right it's here. just it's very um unique. I don't know how to talk. <laughs> I don't know. It, it doesn't. I want to go sleep on the couch tonight. It. It's a biryani, but it's like it has its own unique flavor that in the sense that I haven't tasted that from anyone else who makes biryani. And one of the cool things about biryani is that it's everyone makes it in a unique way. And what usually it's only the the uh, a lot of the, these weddings where you go, you know, you, you taste the same old biryani. But when you go to Indian households, everyone has their own version of biryani, which makes it amazing. So I have one main um ingredient that helps me determine whether the biryani is good or not um if there's a lot of gosh in it if there's if they they, yeah if they if they like skimp out skimp out on the meat and i see mostly rice i'm not i'm 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 already upset 
because meat. I eat biryani for the meat. You know, I, I, I don't even want chicken. I want like lamb or beef. Right, that's what I want. I want like chunks of lamb and beef. So I'm a chicken anyways, guy. I'm a, I'm all chicken. Really? Chicken biryani oh, is my favorite. Man. You know why I don't like chicken? Because I have to work so hard against the bones. I just want to get meat. You know, I just want to mix it. And by the way, I love anyone out there who likes biryani. You have to absolutely try it with sour cream. Don't worry about like oh yeah yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Different yeah. Ingredient. don't worry about the yogurt or the whatever other mix you guys do. Put sour cream. It is a game changer for biryani. Right. Right. You put aloo in my bir- what? Oh Someone no! Someone puts aloo in their biryani. That's haram. Oh, that's you know, Pakistani biryani, dude. Dude, that's like finding an aloo in a samosa. It's the most depressing thing <laughs> in the world. It's so sad. Why do people do that? Why do Pakistanis yeah. do that? Do they? Um, I think Bombay biryani does. No, it's like too. it's like Sindhi biryani. I think they do yeah. that too. Yeah. 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 People do that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's so sad. Whenever you see a potato, you just see like that potato could have been used for French fries or something good, but it's <laughs> something good. The, 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 <laughs> The, the destiny or the khadar for that potato was to be in a biryani. That's like being born in Somalia or something. You know, it's a terrible destination. I think that yeah. comedian Jerry, Jeremy McClellan, he always makes those biryani jokes and he did a poll. Yeah. Potatoes or no potatoes? Never. I think no potatoes won for sure. Of course. Okay, well, this is not a cooking okay. show, so <laughs> let's, yeah, All right. let's move past yeah. this. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> anyway, we were we were talking about, you know, some polls that we did earlier yeah. in our uh, this past week yeah. in our community section, and people want to talk about addiction, and they're like, and Noreen brought up a good point in the sense that hey, we're kind of talking about Bali about uh, relationship stuff. How does addiction really play into relationship related things? And well, I think really addictions really do affect relationships. I mean, Noreen knows she's married to an, an addict. Really, I, I am in many ways an addict in terms of uh, a lot of the things I get into. Yes. And I try to, I mean, majority of my addictions are halal, all right? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a soul, I'm not one of those people who is going to go out there and, you know, spill the beans on every single haram thing I do. But let's just say, you know, Sim's not a perfect person. And that's one of the charms of this podcast is that we don't, we don't pretend to be people we're not. We're, yeah. we're all working through this. This is a community mm-hmm. effort where we're all kind of struggling through life and trying to figure our way out. So, Noreen, tell I, us. Tell us. Yeah, I mean, I, I tell him if he was a Muslim, I I could see him being addicted to either drugs or alcohol or something because oh, yeah. he's either addicted to video games um, or he's addicted to your e-cig. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of wondering yeah. whether uh, we should bring that up, but uh, yeah, that's a big part of Sims' life. Well, mine too. Yeah. Well, I, I was a I was a cigarette addict, right? Initially, yeah, but then so, I, I kicked so, it. So can I can I just interject here for a moment? Yeah. Because I think I next after Noreen, I think I know Sim the best, and yeah. I have you know, I don't give any you know, I just don't hold back. But so before the whole e cig and cigarette thing, Sim, we used to be both of us used to be big time. Argila or shisha smokers. Like that was what we did. And and it got to a point where I actually ended up opening a cafe. I had opened a cafe. I was the first cafe in. We would take it to lunch. That's how bad it was. Yeah. We would take our. What was the name of your cafe? Sahara Cafe? Yeah, Sahara Cafe. Sahara Cafe. So the thing is that actually it got to a point where actually when Sim would travel, he had a separate suitcase. Yes. Just for his shisha. Yes. And like he would actually have to accommodate that. So I, I got to a point where actually he would mix the shisha and the Xbox 
in like one suitcase. Yeah. And that was like the the entertainment. No, that was suitcase. for traveling to go visit my family. Yeah, he in like would, Arkansas. He yeah, would pack his Xbox and his shisha to go <laughs> visit my family. Because he's like, I know I'm not going to have a good time unless I have these two things. I was like, yeah. Wow. yeah. So, I mean, I knew that there was a problem, though. Right? It never, like, it never escaped me that, hey, you know, you're not an addict or I could quit this anytime. I knew very well, like, it was an addiction. And I think that was one of the things that I always kind of... Um, well, one of my things in life is always, you know, conquering what your biological dependencies are or even your emotional things are and allow your brain to govern your, your life, right? Instead of, you know, just running towards whatever you're feeling or you're inclined to and, and you want you want to feel good and you just want to satisfy the next urge, right? And so it's been a process, you know, trying to get off of from cigarettes to shisha then you know i i started up uh, electronic cigarettes because you know those are while not it's not may not be a hundred percent healthy but it's compared to cigarettes it's, it's an, uh, exponentially better it's very i mean i would yeah, say I mean, like I it's think, i think um like sim i mean i mean away from shisha and under this uh because look i i think there's also an element of this too yeah like when we had our conversations, we generally used to get together and enjoy smoking. It was part of how we bonded with each other. Like it was a form of how we, you know, how some guys will sit back and watch TV together or some, we, literally me and Sim could just sit back, smoke a bit and talk, right? This is what we would do. You know, we would kind of hang out and talk. And it was kind of like people have coffee and, and they talk, like we would do that, right? We would sit down and talk. So for us, it was like, I mean, honestly, I, I've really thought about it. I've been on planes. I've been in work days where I haven't smoked an e-cigarette the whole day. But the thing is, I just enjoy it. Like when I, when I feel like I'm, oh, I'm going to go home and relax. I'm like, okay, I can't, you know, I'm going to do it with like in my e-cig in my hand. So I think addictions are um, important. I mean, they're important when they, when they, like when they totally govern your life, right? If, if, if that's what's happening, that is a severe addiction. But I think, um, I think some people get addicted to certain things in life. I mean, everybody has a certain dirty secret, whatever it may be. But there are certain addictions that are worse than others. And growing up, um, you know, to be honest, our generation was probably the first of the Muslim American generation that had to deal with drugs being, you know, coming into our community. Um, sure, there might have been people who are older than us that probably maybe dealt with alcohol and other things like that. But majority of them weren't born here so it wasn't something like the friends they had weren't really you know involved in that and most of them were already set in their ways because they were you know they were adults you know when they're here um so for us like being born and bred in america like especially for some of us that were living in places like chicago where you know drugs were everywhere like i mean you could go to high school you could go to um you know wherever you went to you'd find it and in my particular case i actually um the first time, I mean, I, I was exposed to it was with other Muslim kids. It wasn't like a non-Muslim guy or some stranger or at some party. No, it was a bunch of my friends. Then we got together and we, you know, and I, I remember, I mean, I, for me, the first time I smoked a cigarette, when I, I had my first job. I was 13 years old. I was walking back from Kmart. I found a pack of Winston's on the ground yeah. and I picked it up and I'm like, cool, I got cigarettes, you know, and I went back home and showed my cousin and I'm like, hey, look. I got a pack of cigarettes. My older brother was there. I'm like, yo, guys, we got to smoke this, right? We have to have a pack of cigarettes now. We got to do it. 
So my brother takes like two drags. He's like, that's it. I'm going to get cancer. My brother's like a very, right? Like he's a very uh, goody, good two-shoe, right? I mean, he's a very yeah. disciplined. I mean, anyone that knows oh, him. Mashallah, very, mashallah. Yeah, mashallah. He's yeah. really like disciplined, very, very, very uh, good-hearted. Me, I was like the little, the little shaitan in the house. So I would always get in trouble. So I'm like, all right, whatever. Two puffs, Shakur, go back in the house. And then and I was just sat there and I smoked this half pack by myself. And I came in with this nicotine high and I was like drooling over myself. And oh I didn't my know. God. Yeah, I mean, I, I overdid it. And my, uh, my mom had come home from work. What's wrong with you? I'm like, ah, oh, I ate something. I feel sick. I don't know. I mean, I couldn't tell my mom I had like nicotine stuff. But, but the problem is like that was part of our curious nature as well too. I believe there's certain kids like me that know it's wrong. But, you know, when you're young and you have friends that are curious like you and you guys and it's easily ac- accessible, you know, some, you know, the reality is that kids will try experiment right yeah. it happens right so, and so yeah i mean this is girls are no different you know uh, girls experience the same things you know the peer pressures and stuff like that and uh i'll admit i i tried one when i was i think in eighth or ninth grade someone in school gave me one cigarette to try i was like just let me try one now is that my feel cool no <laughs> let me so i go to my grandparents house and I was like, I'm going to go for a walk, you know, na na nani. They're like, okay. But I was too scared to go far and I didn't want anyone to see me. So I went to the side of the house and I like quickly tried to like smoke it. Like, but because I was Wait, tr- you smoke it at your parents' house by my yourself? Gra- my grandparents' house on the side of their house. Told them I was going for a walk, but I really went to the side of the house to just try it. I couldn't even get through half of it. And I smoked it so fast, I got a headache. And I walk in, like, reeking, and I like, run to the bathroom, and I'm, like, brushing my teeth and trying to, like, find spray bottles in their bathroom. And I got so woozy, like, yeah. a buzz and yeah. lightheaded. And I was like, I need to go lay down now. And they're like, okay, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I don't know. I went for this walk, and I just feel sick. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I... But- See Most when of, when when you when it you, doesn't matter. You're growing up in this country. You know you're going to get exposed to so all kinds for, of stuff. For for you guys, it sounds like social stuff, right? I mean, it was a part of being part of a crew. But for me, like that's all foreign to me. Like for me, my addictions are like there's a hole in me, in who I am, and I'm trying to fill it with something. Really? Okay. So there's like this inherent problem. I don't know. It, there's, a, you know, some traumatic experiences that you experience in life. And, um, you know, I've always had problems with like confidence and anxiety and, you know, not not being able to be, you know, everything I could be. And I, I always wanted to kind of fill that hole. I always felt like there's something missing in me. And with with for whatever reason, it um, it didn't nothing would fill it i mean being getting married early you know just having some amazing kids and always there's always this this darkness that's kind of sitting right next to you you know that the moment you slip up you know you there's like a you remember that that thing that really struck a chord with me and when we were watching dexter he'd always talk about as a serial killer he'd talk about having a dark passenger sitting next to me and when he said that on that show i'm like man that's exactly how i feel like that the like people give us compliments and stuff like oh sim you guys did an amazing job with the madam lukes and blah 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 
and I don't feel like anything. I'm like, there could be a million people who, who compliment us and say that, but I know, like, just turn to the side. I know that there's this dark passenger that's really will just smile back and he'll have like a devil face, you know, saying like, <laughs> this is, I, I know who you really are, you know? Maybe and, it's and, Karim. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's something that's really missing. It's very deep in your personality. Mm -hmm. It's not like... So, so for me, I'll tell you something. For me, like, I, I have done drugs. Like, not just a cigarette. I mean, I've done drugs and alcohol. Like, I've done it for a long time. Yeah. Um, brother. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but that... But that uh, but, but the thing is, like, for me, I actually did it under... Like, to hang out with friends. But then I actually enjoyed it. So I don't know if it was an addiction, but I actually, even till now, like if I, if I, if, if, it, if it wasn't haram for me, I would probably go out to the bar and get drunk. I mean, yeah. if it wasn't haram for me, I mean, I, I, I'm a hundred percent honest. I would tell you that. But, um, the thing for me is I actually ended up enjoying it. So when I see things like that, sometimes and I look back at it, I'm like, Hey, you know what? I do miss those times when I did that. Right. But I also know that it's haram for me, so I can't do it, but I don't, um, I don't want to say I don't regret. I mean, I don't regret. I don't want to use that term, but um, I actually did enjoy it. Like, I mean, I, I would go back and, and I'm talking about not just the alcohol, but I mean, I've done drugs. Like, I mean, like, I don't want to go through a whole list of them, but I've done drugs more than marijuana, like not just that. And I understand why people continue to do it because whether this is an addiction or not, but um, sometimes you get conditioned in the, in the feeling like that's how you have fun. That's how you unwind. That's how you celebrate. That's how you, you know, just let your hair down. You know, it became so normal for me. I mean, it got to a point where I remember when I stopped touching any drugs, I thought it became religious. Like, that's how, like, I mean, I, I was so embedded in it. Like, that I thought, oh, if I just stop doing drugs, I'm going to be religious, you know, because yeah. it's just what it is. And, and like, I've seen people around me that, um, I mean, alhamdulillah, at an age where I was able to recognize, but people very close to me, some in my family, some even extended, like, very, uh, family and very close friends they developed severe addictions to like heroin and I saw their life change completely. I mean, I mean, it, it, this re literally destroys relationships. I've seen people nodding off in bed, um, almost burning it on fire, the house going, running in and saving them because they didn't realize the cigarette was burning the bed. Um, one of my, I don't want to name somebody, but one of my, um, you know, close people, I don't want to say it was a relative or not, but he actually OD'd in front of me. I'm like, taking the guy to the hospital with my finger in his mouth. So he's breathing, you know, stuff like that is very real. You know, yeah. it's not like it's, you know, it's, it's like, I know it sounds like dramatic, like a movie, but I'm being dead honest. Like at four o'clock in the morning, you, you know, you've out partying and you're dead tired. You want to go back home, try to, you know, get in before your parents wake up. And the last thing you want to worry about is your homeboy ODing and you got to get to the hospital. In my head, I'm thinking, what am I going to tell his parents when he's dead? What am I going to tell them happened? You know, like, what am I going to, how am I going to explain to them that this happened to him? Yeah. Right. I mean, these kind of things, it's real, like, you know, and, and, and this is not, it's, it's not hard to OD on drugs when you're pushing that limit, when you're pushing that limit all the time, it's that, that rush and that thrill that you get, you know, from doing these kinds of drugs. And so the thing is that people don't um, realize they're addicted. They tell themselves they're in control. Oh, I got it, man. I'm just having fun. I can stop when I want to stop. It's not a big deal, you know. Or when I get married, I'm going to stop. You know, when, when I get older, I'm going to be more religious. I'm going to stop, right? They tell themselves these things, right? right? And so they don't, they, they don't realize they have a problem. Okay, um, but, yeah. but why, do, why do you think people even do, like, try it or do it? I'm just thinking that a lot of times, like, I know 
you know, from my own personal experience with people, uh, especially like in school when they're younger, for example, like, um, you know, uh, one of my friends who was really, you know, good girl, decent, whatever, had a boyfriend and they broke up and she wasn't Muslim, but I'm just telling you, you know, and they broke up and all of a sudden she started drinking, doing drugs, like, and it was, I I looked at her and I knew she was trying to numb some pain. So, you know? yeah, I mean, so, so that may be true for some people, you know, some people get involved with drugs in order to numb the pain, uh, to take their mind off certain things, to alleviate stress. And some people just fall into it because of curiosity. They start, they, they hang out with people that do it. It's become just their, their, their um, inner circle, like people they hang out with, you know, because generally your friends are going to be people that you have a common bond with, right? And so if, you have, if your common bond is drinking or popping molly or doing cocaine or, you know, this is how you guys, you know, not, it, it may not be every moment. It could be just like, you know, casually, but those events, when you get comfortable with doing those types of drugs, sometimes you want more. Maybe sometimes when you're having a bad day, you just want to have an extra, a little bit of extra. And then that can trigger off an, an, an addiction, you know, or, um, and some drugs are just far more addictive than other drugs. Like heroin is probably one of the most addictive drugs and it's very cheap. You can get it, right? And it's very addictive, right? Other drugs like cocaine are, are what they call rich people's drugs. It's addictive, but you have to be kind of wealthy to get it. I mean, I mean, a, a steady flow of money, it's not cheap, so right? And so- yeah, but I mean, it all depends for a various amount of reasons. Some so, people are lonely, some people have peer pressure, some people are depressed. So as, as a Muslim, how do you reconcile knowing that what you're doing is haram? You know, like, do you feel shame and guilt and do you feel hopeless? Well, well, do you I'll feel tell you how I used to do it. I mean, when we had when we were younger and all the Muslim friends that we had, we made a pact that we would never go to the masjid high. We would, we would never deal near the masjid. We would never mess with Muslim girls. That was it. I mean, we made our own rules. You know, like, this is how we're going to justify it. You know, we're not going to sell to any Muslim people. You know, we're going to keep it closed off from the younger guys because we don't want them. You know, there, there were younger people that knew that we were dealing drugs. They would come up to us and be like, hey, I want to get, you know, into it, whatever. Let me in on it. And we would be like, what are you talking about, little boy? You know, we would we'd totally deny it. And just like, even though they knew, I mean, people yeah. would tell them, but we would, we would deny it because we made our own rules in our head to justify that, oh, you know, we're just doing it because we got pulled in or I'm just trying to make a quick buck or, you know, we already done it. You know, I'm going to change, you know, it's just well, whatever. I mean, I can kind of appreciate you feeling like I'm not going to hurt anybody else with this. I'm only going to hurt myself, right? Yeah, it was kind of a weird logic. We were like, you know what? We're already doing haram ourselves. We're not going to do double haram by haraming another Muslim. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. But how- it's a weird logic, but it, it's actually how we thought because we felt guilty. But, well, but a, lot, a lot of gangsters how, have that kind of thing how, too. How did you feel like Allah viewed you? Did you feel... Oh, dude, I would be high and be like, yo, Allah, you, uh, I know me. I, I'm not really like this. You know, I've talked to him. Like, I'm not really like this. You know, I, I just, you know, I'm a kid. I, I'm stupid, but... uh. I'm gonna change one day, dude. I used to like, talk, to straight up talk and like I have a conversation with myself, like I, in my in my mind. I would convince myself that when I get older, I'm gonna change. Or I mean, I try to justify. It. I knew it's haram. There's no way that I didn't know it was haram. I was I wouldn't so, say it's halal, so but you, I would just be like, Yo, Allah is merciful. I, you think all these weird things, you know? You're like, Allah knows my heart. I'm not a bad person. You know what okay. I mean? Like you, you talk to yourself these things. Yeah, that's why I wanted to get at was how did you feel? How did you feel? What, what was your understanding of Allah and His mercy and His level of forgiveness because i've seen muslims who were taught their whole life that everything's haram if you do anything you're going to go to jahannam and so 
they try one thing, something small, and then they're like, well, you know, I'm already going to hell, so why don't I try the next thing? Why don't I try the next thing? And then they go deeper. Because they, you know, Shaitan sends them down this, you know, this downward spiral of hopelessness, you know? So, so there's, no, there's no right answer because the Shaitan attacks you in any way, depending on how your personality is, right? For some people who, who has that mentality that, oh, if I already messed up one time, I'll just go all the way, right? That's one person's mindset. Another person's mindset is, you know what? Uh, I know it's wrong, but I, I, I just want to have fun now. You know, Allah knows that I'm going to change later. You know, uh, the shaitan whispers these things, right? And your personality depends on how he whispers. I mean, and what, 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 what affects you, right? Because everybody has these whispers, right? Yeah. But one of these whispers sticks more with the personality type you are, right? And so for me, it was like, hey, you know, I, I really believe I'm a, I'm a compassionate person. So I believe Allah is, I mean, that, that resonates with me. If Allah knows my heart. You know, Allah knows that I'm a good person. At the end of the day, I help people. I don't want to corrupt my community. You know, whatever it is, you know, but I, I, I just do this to have fun. And, you know, many people, you know, and then I, I would even tell myself, like, you know, there are some Sahaba like Abu Dajana who would drink, you know, and yeah. the Rasulullah would, would, you know, you tell yourself these things, right? You're like, hey, you know what? Uh, you justify it, right? You're like, hey, I'm not that bad of a person. I'm going to change eventually. Inshallah, I'm going to change one day. I never thought, you know, I'm going to be like this my whole life and Islam's wrong for that. No, I knew it was wrong. But I would just tell myself that, you know what, I have time. You know, inshallah, I'm going to change. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, so so, it, so I, I yeah. like I like uh, Sayyid Sadadin's uh, message. He said, there's something called the cage addiction test to determine if someone is addicted to a substance. C, do you ever feel you need to cut down? A, are you annoyed if someone critiques your substance abuse? G, do you feel guilty about your use? E, do you ever need to use first thing when you wake up? Two out of four would be an addiction. So cage, C-A-G-E. And I I don't think that's exclusive to just drug addiction. I think, let me talk about a little bit about one of my addictions that was kind of halal in the sense that it wasn't involving money. And that that was like, I got into this thing called uh, Facebook poker. I don't know if many people Te- know about it. it Texas was ma- Hold'em. Texas Hold'em, right? It was from, <laughs> I want to say, eight, nine years ago. Um, uh, it was 2009, I remember. Yeah. I was pregnant. Started so, in the Beebrook area. So, so this was yeah. an obsession of mine for like three months. And it didn't involve real money, but I got pretty good at it. In the sense but where you did make money from it, right? Where you hey, yeah, and stop ruining the oh, story. I'm oh. talking about it. Something here, you and Arish. Oh my God! I always want to jump in, <laughs> like building up. But I'm so like, what anyway, the hell? I'm building up to something. This is called storytelling, Yehi. Anyway, yeah. that's so. Anyway, I the the game was new. A lot of these apps, Farmville, and everything was coming up. This company Zynga was a big startup. They're already were valued at a billion dollar company, and I got obsessed with it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to become the one of the best. You know, it was just my my thing. I always want when I get into something, I have to be the best at it. And I got pretty damn good at it. I mean, I went to the top 100 players in Facebook p- poker, and to the extent that I started selling these chips online. So you, Zynga Poker would sell. Um, let's just say. Um, a million chips for a hundred bucks, right? Mm-hmm. I would sell a million chips for ten bucks. I didn't care, even if I, I, I that was just an arbitrary price. If you had money and a PayPal account, I would work something out with you. Like, okay, just give me the money because I know they'll come back again. And I started selling chips after chips, and I would just go back into a high stakes table 
and get it all back. And I got so consumed with it. I mean, in the sense where I, when you lost a big hand, you couldn't sleep. And I, when there was this one moment where, you know, one of these rare moments where you have, you know, a, a straight, a straight flush and you put a billion chips out onto the table and you said, here's everything, you know? And then the other guy, he came with everything as well. And I'm like, there's no way he's got better cards than me. I had a straight flush, which is, really it's very hit. rare to yeah. get. But what happened was he had a higher set and he ended up beating me and took all everything. And then the the way I was behaving after that was like erratic because you worked months for this, you know? And then I couldn't sleep. And then, you know, luckily you I had enough quite connections and friends who were wealthy in that game that they ended up throwing a few million back at me and then boom i was right back up at a billion again so it, it was and i you know my whole mind was starting to think in um ratios and or sorry uh, probabilities right mm -hmm. and you're 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 thinking about everything in your life in probabilities of the probability of this happening this happening and this happening because i train my mind to just think like that mm -hmm. and so you like the rain man <clears throat> No, it was not. It was not doing nothing <laughs> to do with math. I think what, what stopped you was when you got gypped. So some lady said, I'll give you, I think, $500 or something, something big. No, 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 no. That's not how I got stopped. I got stopped because they caught on to me. The company started realizing, like, hey, all these people are selling the, 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 big, the big fish in the game were selling these chips to oh. um, all the other players and cutting away from their profits. And man, I was talking to people all over the world. Like, like people had my cell phone. It was like you felt like a king. It was like such a rush. Yeah. And so that, that that that's so interesting, dude. You know why? Because people who are in the game, like I mean, um, like I'm gonna be honest. Like we used to uh, not only did we use, but we used to deal drugs. So when you're that kind of when, when people have something, you have something people want, and they want it bad, and you have that, you have the ability to give it to them. You feel like a king. Like wow. that feeling that people like, like that they no, they're, dude, they will no, no listen listen people would follow have. me around just people who were playing poker I had like little group of a lot of them happened to be women so that happened to be another uh, confidence boost as well like they would just follow me around into different poker tables just watching me play and they're like oh my god and a lot of them are beggars too they're wanting to you know, they're hoping they're hoping yeah. for you to throw them some um, chips as well you know. Like, oh, my yeah. God, you're such a good player. Give me a million gold chips. I'm like, eh, all right. You got a pretty face. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Not really. Not really. Yeah. Um, no, but I mean, no, but like I said, that that feeling, I know exactly what it means. Like, we would literally walk. I mean, I went to my first 21-year-old club when I was like 16 years old. And just because of the fact that I was dealing drugs, I was able to get in this place. Right. And I was like a 16, 17-year-old kid. You know, and I felt like the king of the world. Like we would go out and we would just do this, and we, we would go all parts of the city. I mean, I had. I mean, it was great. I mean, when you're when you're a kid, you know, when you're young and you feel you feel this hype. Yeah. Where else do you get that kind of money, that kind of power, that kind of you know appreciation? You know, when you're when you're 16, 17 in your house, your parents are telling you're a kid, you're this, you're that. You know, and this kind of grows on your ego. And you know, one of the things is where the higher your ego goes, then when you crash, you crash even harder. Yeah. Like that's the problem. People don't realize that that high, when it goes away, you crash really hard and that can actually lead people into depression. 
you know, um, and and actually, to be honest, um, that kind of happened in in in, our, in my circle of friends. Like you know, when we were dealing, we just stop, and some of us made decisions to stop, and other people who are really benefiting from our connections, they stopped ultimately receiving it, and they they weren't like the man anymore because nobody was coming to them because they ran dry, and they ended up getting depressed and started going heavy into the drug use themselves wow. to the point where like they, I mean, they were unrecognizable. I'm talking about like they would disappear for for days and nobody would know where they are. We'd find them in some weird place. We'd get a call that, hey, he's in some after hours place. You know, he's, he's almost like, you know, we, he's been here for like two days, like just sleeping. And, you know, I mean, stuff like this, like you, we would hear, you know what I mean? And like wow. um, stuff like this addiction can, for anything, can really take a toll on your life. I mean, and the problem is, is that you begin to alienate your normal people around you because you can't explain to them what you're doing. Even if it's like this online poker or if it's drug use or if it's like whatever it is, because they're not going to get it. They're not in it. Right. And then for you to explain that. So what happens is you actually end up pushing people further away unconsciously because you just stop. Inter- you know, you're, you're not interested in what they're doing and then you're only interested in what you're doing and you can't explain what you're doing to them because they're not going to get it. And they might even judge you. Right. They'll be like, oh, what are you doing? Right. So it's, it's a really tough thing for people who are in it. And they can't realize it. So what, what happens is they end up going to people that are like them, even if those people are toxic for them, right? They end up hanging out with them. And then it's just like this downward spiral. So so how now in being a loved one of someone struggling with addiction, mm-hmm. I mean, Nori, you see me being addicted to things all the time right now. It's a podcast. And, um, and this is know, a good addiction. Yeah. I'll I mean, so, so that's what I'm getting at, you know, <laughs> it, I think one of the ways I was able to mitigate a lot of my addictions were through productive yeah. addictions, right? Yeah. Things that were able to, I was able to have some kind of a positive force in someone's life. One yeah. of those things that I always wanted to do was, you know, I was always grateful for being in this country, in the United States. And I was, I it always bothered me, a gnawing question in the back of my head, just about how fortunate we were to be born in this country as opposed to some remote village in Africa or wherever, you know? And and my way of something I always wanted to do was just change the life of someone anywhere in the world who's just going downhill mm-hmm. and want to help them back up. And it's always been something kind of a part of me. And and one of those things was like, you know, helping people and volunteering in, in at the mosque and you know, a lot of times, you know, I start, we have uh, these community events at the mosque where, you know, a lot of new converts come and stuff like that. And, you know, helping them navigate, uh, you know, the because a lot of these mosques are very cultural and stuff. And them talking to me, they have, a, they, a lot of these guys, they say, Sim, you're like a, a white guy in a, in a brown costume. So a lot of white people find a lot of affinity in, in the way I talk. And, you know, we have a lot of same musical interest, interests and stuff like that. And, so I, I spend a lot of time with them as well. And, um, you know, using your time in a more efficient manner. I, I stopped watching football because I was sort of addicted to fantasy football. Yep. Got got done with that garbage. I watched like two Bears games this this season. And I think that's it. So I think yeah. this, is a, this is a good segue for me to tell people about how this podcast started and how your addictions led up to this. Yeah. So, um. A lot of people wonder how Mad Mamluks even started, and this is kind of like the backstory of. Um, Don't make it too long, though. Okay. G- give so, the summary. 
I'll do my best. So anyway, so Sim, his addictions have always been like very frustrating for me and over the course of our marriage. So, um, and he always like jumps into something new. So for example, he, um, decided uh, in, in different, he gets starts hobbies. So like he did this hobby where he started this photography business and spent two grand on a camera and I didn't talk to him for three days. And he was like, don't worry, I'm going to make the money back. I'm going to, I'm going to become a photographer and you're going to be the female photographer and we're going to do Muslim weddings. And, and we did that. We did like two, three weddings. And then he made the money back to pay for the camera. And he was like, okay, I'm done with this. And I was like, what? So that was number one. A couple other things he did. Um, he started making his own. Uh, he he loved the e-cigs so much. He started making his own liquids. Right. And, and he was like, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to start selling these. This is what before anyone even knew what an e-cig was. Yeah. This. Yeah. Sim, Sim would give me like discount. I, I'd love it. But then he stopped making it. And I felt yeah. bad bugging yeah. him actually. So, so, yeah. so he starts making e-cig liquids and, and I work, I work how, in finance. How, how many people did stop smoking cigarettes because of you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was oh, just yeah, like so many, but anyway, so and I was like, Oh my God, you're making, you know, thousand percent profit. We can turn this into big business. He got bored of it and he quit. I told him too, dude. I'm like, Hey dude, yeah. I will, uh, let's get a factory. I'll yeah, do I, it. I do. I still yeah. He's, I he still do it. So here's the thing. Like I value my time, you know, and I now just only sell to like big resellers. Yeah. So. so the other thing he's addicted to is his friends and more is one of them. So over the course of our marriage, his friends would but always. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? This is just because I'm awesome. That's why. It's not just fun. <laughs> like, I'm so, the awesome one. So they would come over like odd nights of the week every weekend they were over and you know it puts a strain on the marriage because i'm upstairs dealing with the kids and he's down you know so these little addictions whatever you want to call it would you know put a strain on our relationship because i felt like he wasn't putting you know making good use of his time so whenever he would start those little business ventures or whatever i would kind of poo poo on it and be like ah, oh, this is another one of your things it's never going to turn into anything whatever so the podcast he doesn't tell me and we went to go visit my family and uh he's like i have to go back to chicago i have to go back to chicago i have work to do i'm like what are you talking about middle of the night <laughs> midnight and He's like, I got to go now. I was like, wait till Fudger. Just go to sleep, wake up at Fudger and drive back to Chicago. This is like eight, nine hour drive, right? He leaves at midnight, doesn't listen to me, leaves at midnight, drives three hours, calls me at 3 a.m. and says, I left my laptop at the timeshare. We're at the condo. I'm coming back. I'm like, what? So he drives three hours back. So now six hours. It's now Fudger time. Gets his laptop. And now drives the eight, nine hours back to Chicago. So in total, what, nine plus six, 15 hours driving. He could have just slept the whole night and wait till fudger time. But no, he didn't listen to his wife. But anyway, so I come back home a week later. I was visiting my family. We were with my family. So I come back to Chicago and the basement has turned into a studio. There's like microphones and mixers and did you like my setup yeah i was like what the hell is going on over here (laughs) and and he was like well i didn't want to tell you but um i told your dad that i want to start a podcast and he you know pitched in some 
donations and don't worry, I didn't spend any of our money and, you know, this is what I'm doing. I'm like, oh, my God, you hit up my dad this time. (laughs) So that's the start of the podcast. And, you know, it was the one time he didn't tell me what he was up to. And subhanAllah, he made finally was addicted to something that was productive and the best use of his time. And so for me, it was always finding meaning. I, I needed to find something greater in life. And long, long time listeners in, of the podcast know, you know, um, how I've always wanted to make a change since I was young and I wanted to be a positive force. And I would always get depressed for years and years that, you know, I didn't, I didn't really make use of all the teachers who taught us because we were really fortunate, man. We had some amazing teachers uh, living in Chicago. We had some of the best teachers and I just always would get caught up in this cycle of thinking I, I haven't lived up to their expectation and, and just always feeling inadequate. And I'd always want to take that feeling away with other addictions like, you know, poker or video games or, or fantasy football or guitar or, you know, music and, um, whatever, you know, so anything. So, um, (laughs) she's helping me out. I'm like, calm down here. Out of all the things she remembers the shisha. (laughs) Friends. (laughs) Uh, but anyway, so it's like, uh, I think, you know, Maybe if you have a spouse that's struggling with this, maybe help them find greater meaning in life and help them find the vehicles to help them towards that or achieve that meaning that, you know, maybe maybe it's not like a podcast or a YouTube channel, but maybe it's it's something that that's a challenge, but they, they have always kind of put in the back of their mind because they always felt like, you know, I, I just don't have the skills you know, just if, if if anyone would have told me that we're going to do this 10 years ago, I would have thought they're out of their mind. There's just no way because I'm naturally an introvert. I don't like to talk in general. Even spitting out words is, is very difficult for me. It's just the way that Noreen and Mort talk. It's just envious to me. Like how, just, you know, they're just able to rabble on about anything and just spit out words like it's nothing. And for me... When I'm communicating, I'm like picking up all these cues, verbal cues, like, you know, well, why is Mort making that face? And why is Noreen looking at me cross-eyed? And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's probably something on my face or, uh, you know, I'm probably talking about something weird. And No, you know what it and is? And then all you're, these you're like... You're a perfectionist. And so when something isn't perfect, you don't like it. Yeah. It has to be perfect in your mind for it to be, for you to go forward. And I think my personality is I don't really care. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Yeah. And... Whether you like it or you don't like it, it doesn't really bother me. Like right. I tell people, I'm the ugly guy on the podcast who just rants and people hate. And I don't give a crap. Right? Well, I mean, well, one of the things was growing up in this country, you always wanted to be accepted by a lot of friends. And a lot of people, when you're going to school with, with white kids and stuff, you're really careful about what you say and whether you're coming across the wrong way. And for and I'm naturally very blunt and accidentally say things that you know i that might hurt someone's feelings and i have to be careful about what's actually coming out of my mouth and really formulate a lot of the thoughts before they come out and so so so, so people don't realize this to hold on one second here's the thing 
as so Sim and me grew up together, but then we separated like throughout high school because we went to the same grade school. Yeah. And then at high school, we just completely separated. Sim became like this totally other person, which was like this hardcore death metal trench coat wearing dude. And I was like this little silly little gangster kid, you know, hanging out in the ghettos. Right. And then so we just kind of went completely separate. So when I was coming out of my that whole phase of like drugs and alcohol and selling drugs and when I realized I had to be totally separate, I bumped into Sim at uh, university, like at college. I had no idea what I was doing. And I don't know what happened. Like one day we were just like, I was telling him I had a bad, something happened and we went for a drive in your car. Yeah. I remember we just, hey, we, we, I got to go smoke a cigarette. It was too cold to stand outside and smoke. So I'm like, hey, just jump in my car. And I'm like, okay. So we just were like jumping in the car. We started smoking cigarettes and we just started talking about life. And he goes like, Nick, man, I feel like there's this fire around me, behind me, wherever I turn, there's fires chasing me. There's fires chasing me wherever I turn. And I'm like, man, I feel like it all the time. There's fires everywhere. Like everywhere I look, I got to put out a fire. Like every, I got to watch my back all the time. Cops and people finding out and people yeah. ODing. And, <laughs> and then I was just like, um, he's like, man, uh, I'm going to go back to my house. And I'm like, what? You have your own house? What? And he's like, yeah, I got an apartment right here, right across college. And I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, uh, can I come? And then what I did was for a whole year and a half, like two years, I basically hid out in this apartment. Like we would, I, I mean, to a point where I hardly even went to any class, me and Sim would just sit in this apartment all the time and just talk. And it's funny because Sim is not that person. If you see him back, especially back in those days, he was this dark night guy. Like he had his trench coat, didn't talk to nobody, had his you know music on. And that was it. You know, he had this real like face, like walking down here, just yeah. like. He was a little more buff at the time. You'd be walking down. And, and so nobody wanted to talk to him. He had a very select amount of friends. Basically, only people who listened to the death metal recognized him pretty much. I mean, like, oh, they're going to talk to him, yeah. right? And so um, the fact that me and him would sit and have this conversation, we were just totally opposites. Yeah. But we actually were able to sit and him being an introvert and me being a person that just talks all this random crap, it was the most odd combination yeah. But somehow we, I think in a weird way, we helped each other. Like it was, yeah. we were too busy trying to be perfect, but we realized like I ended certain things in him and he ended certain things in me. And we kind of figured, Hey, you know, like people, you're always going to have some, something good in you that someone else is going to see. Right. That makes sense. It's weird. Yeah. But, and we never really talked about this before. It's, 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 really so, so is that how you got it. out of your addiction? Or yeah, your I, I changed my friends. I changed my friends yeah. completely. Yeah. I yeah, completely you know, changed the people I hung out with. It's amazing. Like, you know, friend. People, how they make friends, or, or it's such a connection that's on a deeper level. I, I think one of the things that always appealed with with my friendship with you more was like you just didn't give a crap, you know, and and that's always something I wanted, you know, because I always gave a crap, and I I wanted to learn that from you about not giving a crap, even though I didn't give a crap in the sense like you know yeah I'm in the metal scene and stuff, but I'm still like picking up a lot of these like. Um, uh, cues from oh, you know th- from the world they, you know social cues you know how do how do i look how do people think about me what uh, you know uh you want to be accepted right so that was always like something that i always like resented as part of me i'm like why do i care so much like who gives a crap even though you're you're i'm putting on the the outfit the the, the metal outfit and everything and i'm like you know what i'm trying to push people away and i'm trying to make sure that you know, I don't have to even be uh, judged on my personality. Let's just push them away f- 
just by my appearance and make them scared, right? So let me ask you something. Did you regret growing up? Like, I know you now, but growing up, did you avoid doing certain things if you thought that you were going to fail in them because you only want to do things you succeed in? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so this is interesting because this is, I believe, what formed my personality. For me, I didn't care if I failed. I, got, I fought with anybody and I lost lots of fights and I won lots of fights, right? I, I started businesses and I failed businesses. I risked everything growing up, right? I mean, it didn't, I mean, I didn't care. I, I've said things, I've ruined relationships and made relationships by my mouth, right? But I never thought, you know what? I, I just never wanted to be in a position where I was afraid to fail. It just wasn't part of me. So I felt like being exposed to failure so many times, you end up just not giving a crap because you've embarrassed yourself so many times that you, do, you just don't care anymore. Yeah. And I think that, that, that old, I think that embarrassment that you, like, I think you fear embarrassment so much that you didn't really, like, take that risk Dude, to fail. Dude, I remember, like, this one time, some, we're talking, we're in college, and the professor's talking crap about the, the Palestinian-Israeli movement, and I got, like, so emotional, but, and, and I started talking about, you know, trying to make my point about something, and all of a sudden, like, everyone just focused in on me, and it became too much, and I just froze. And I'm like, why is everyone, like, looking at me? And I couldn't spit out the next word. I just lost my train of thought, and I'm like, just all this anxiety came over me, and and I just froze, like, in mid, mid-sentence. mid I just didn't know what to say anymore. And the, the, everyone's just, like, looking at, at me really awkward, and, and the teacher's just kind of, well, you know, Let's talk about this or some. He just kind of switched topics. Try to change it, right? Yeah. And it it was the the most uh, surreal thing in the sense that you know that 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 never really happened to me before. I've I've done speeches and stuff in the past, but when something's really emo, something that's really connected to you, like you know, even growing up, you know, you you're, you're always speaking- connected to. To things that are deep within you, like religious related things or, or the Israeli Palestinian conflict has is always part of a lot of Muslims, right? So when you're talking about that, it's it's very emotional. And that's So really, I think it's deeper than that though. You know what it is? Yeah. I know you. And I think that the fact that you felt like that you had this opportunity to represent like the Muslim side. Yeah. And you felt that pressure of not messing up. Like you yeah. wanted to make sure that that the answer you gave was the best and most calculated answer that you could give. Right. And I think the pressure of that ended up like making you cave because you were like, oh, I don't know. Everyone's watching. What are they thinking? Did, did I say the wrong thing? Yeah. Did I come off the wrong way? You know what I mean? I think that. And I think, to be honest, you're not alone in that. A lot of people fear that. Like when, they're, when like they, they, they were really conscious. And, and in some ways, it's really good because some people actually calculate a lot before they actually speak. And, and um, it, it saves them a lot of trouble. You know, pers- personalities are different, right? But I think that's one of the challenges of your type of personality that you're a perfectionist. And it, 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 that weight of not being perfect can can be a a, a a barrier for your progress. Right, right. And If that it, makes sense. It, it tortures you, man. It, like meeting all these different people through this podcast, it, it's torture for me because I see them being so amazing at, at what they do, right? But then my mind, while I can com- accomplish, I know full well, like I'm, I'm at that confidence level where confidence level where I know I can achieve 80 to 90% of what they've done, but I just don't have the interest that they do in going a hundred percent into it, you know, like, um, you know, but when you, when you just, 
you have the curse of being a jack of all trades. You know what I'm saying? Like you just don't care about anything enough to be considered an expert in it. Like I enjoy writing, but I'll write like what's considered a blog post, right? It won't ever be a book or maybe it is. That's one of my challenges. I've given one of these, you know, um, what do they call bucket lists, right? One of these things before you die, I want to write uh, a book. I want to write a song and I want, I want to be able to create a beautiful painting and these are like some of the benchmarks I've kind of created in my life that, you know, this is, these are the things I want done before I go out because it's just my own way of how I measure success, I guess. It's not in the way of money or anything. It's in terms of what my legacy is going to be. No, not legacy even. It's just my own capacity and what I'm able to do and pushing past the low expectations I had for my former self, like when I was growing up and, or even in my early twenties after marriage, I never thought I'd do anything. I, I was just hoping, you know, as long as I had a steady job and kind of cruise into retirement that you better thank God. And you should, even if that's all you accomplish. But what I'm saying is that my own measurement of success just by, you know, meeting so many interesting people in life, I've kind of made my goals much more higher. So, so, so for me, I, I get inspired by people. Like, I mean, like, I, even though I won't do it, but I'm like, yo, that's so cool. Like, I love hearing people talk about their stories. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like for me, I'm able to like talk to people on any level. I mean, most people who meet me think I'm a pretty likable guy. I know some people think I'm an a-hole on this program, but I mean, in real life, I mean, I am this way too, but people can get my vibe. You know I mean? There've been even guests on the show who have been on here that originally like we bumped heads on the show, but toward the end of the show, if you listen, like they actually are cool with me, you know, they'll, 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 they'll shout out me later on and tweet you know, at me and be like, Hey, what's up, man? You know, more, you pissed me off a lot, to be honest. And, um, but what I appreciate is, um, you express your opinion and you'll start off like very adamant that your, you know, viewpoint or your way of thinking is it. You kind of do start out that way, but then you are willing to take the time to listen to the other side and you will concede when you're like, okay, you know what? I can, I can, you know, take your viewpoint on that issue. So I was telling Sin this the other day. I was like, man, we're so like pushy with his ideas, but at the same time, I think you're cognizant of that. And you, you do, even if you piss off some of our fans and stuff, I will vouch for you that you will take the time to actually listen to the other side, you know? So the reason why that is because I made a conscious decision growing up that I'm only going to be on the side of truth. Truth doesn't have any feelings, right? So if you can prove me wrong, then I'm listening to it. And if I'm wrong, I will concede an argument. Because for me, the truth is the absolutely most important thing, right? I mean, for me, I mean, because you can, you can lie to other people, but you can't lie to yourself. You can't lie to yourself about your own beliefs. And I, and I told someone about this before. I debate a lot of people, and, and even when I, when I left all these things and became a little bit more religious, I spent a lot of time debating. And one of the reasons why I did that was because I needed to constantly challenge myself and make sure that what I believe in is actually what I, I'm confident in, that I can defend it. You yeah. know, a lot of times, some people are a bit afraid or timid to, to, to engage in that and have their own beliefs and ideas questioned. I'm the exact opposite. I need to be challenged. I need to have that, 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 I need to have that pushback. I need that uphill battle. I need to feel like, hey, you know what? Um, there's some resistance. Like I need to be like, hey, if you think that way, then how come you think that way? Why is that? You know, wh- what am I thinking the wrong way? Why am I not thinking the right way like you are? 
You see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it's yeah. not that I come out to say, oh, you're stupid and you're dumb. I need to force my view on you. No, it's not that. It's just I'm so passionate about what I believe in because I believe I've thought about it, right? I've yeah. thought about it really hard and I'm waiting for someone to help me to make me think the other way, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things about truth, though, is that especially when it comes to complex issues, you have to do a lot of research and you can't. You you can't form a a truth in your mind regarding something so complex about some of the you know really controversial things that we've talked about on our podcast. I I would be I'm I'm not confident in making any kind of claim about no this is why this is happening you know because there's so just so many layers to the world and how things come together and why you know situations happen the way they do but. I think we, we I don't want to stray off the topic too much but in terms of being a spouse or in, in how you've coped with you know just my all my different things that I would kind of get myself involved in what would you recommend other sp- spouses to do I know like you've always tried to tell me like hey you seem you need therapy and things and you know uh, and I would never listen uh, because for me like I don't value a therapist because I always feel like I'm smarter than them and I don't hey, need them. Can I comment on one thing though? I think I know what it is. You know what it is? It's her personality type. And I'll tell you why. Cause the first thing my mom said when she met her, like your wife, Oh, she's so bubbly. And I think that her personality is that way that she brings positivity to you. Yeah. So while you dig deep into yourself, I think you see a ray of sunshine Aww. in a way. It's kind of, it, no, I mean, it's kind of cheesy, but no, it's true though. You know what I mean? Like if you have someone that's really held down, yeah. sometimes you need someone to, to to say, oh, look how positive they are. You yeah. know, they're so great. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like if everything's fine and dandy and you end up feeling like, hey, you know what? It's going to be all right. But the problem is I think you're asking for her because sometimes it could be exhausting for someone who's always positive and someone who's kind of more introvert, right? And you, sometimes you have to deal with that negative energy. So how, I guess the better question is, Noreen, how do you, someone like in a relationship, like in this type of relationship, how do you like sometimes deal with maybe some of that negativity that comes from someone that is a perfectionist? That is like, you know what I mean? Like they're so focused on on doing everything so right that they get stressed out. Like, I mean, a lot just, of patience, man. Just, just for an example, yeah. I mean, even this podcast, we and like Mahin and other people had to tell Sim, calm down. You're taking this way too serious. Don't worry about what pe- people will come and people will go. You know what I mean? We're just doing this for us. We started this out because we wanted to record our dumb conversations and we thought it would be interesting for some people. We're not going to get everybody to like us. And I think when Sim realized that, he became a little bit more relaxed and understood that, hey, you know, people are going to love you and hate you no matter how perfect you are. Because, anyway, you, you know, more, more we, we we actually tried hard to get people to like us. And it was just like, you know what? No matter what you say, they're, they're going to be upset. So those type of people are just going to fall away. If not this episode, the next episode. They're going to get upset with you and they're going to leave because they're just not the type of people who want to improve or they don't want to challenge ideas because, man, when people email us, we can we actually reply back and we actually have conversations and we interact with you in in the chat and and having sessions like this. We we don't think we're better than you and we're not like we don't we don't I hope we don't think that we're we we're kind of showing or putting this face on that we figured everything out and we're here to teach you. We're working through this with you. <laughs> Hold on. This guy, Hope for Nikki, like more offends me four times an episode. Didn't you call me LeBron James like the other episode? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, that is the guy. <laughs> is that it's okay though. I don't mind it. I love the, I love the criticism. But so, anyway, so go, go ahead, Nori. 
Yeah. Wait. Everyone wants to know how to deal with a broken person like Sim. How, how does oh, spouse... look, he's making himself look like the broken dog in the house. Oh, the stray dog who needs a home. Oh, how cute, Simbo. I don't <laughs> even know how to answer that. I mean, uh, it's it hasn't been easy. Like you said, a lot of patience and I don't know. I mean, there's been times where I've kind of like reached my level of exhaustion, yeah. right? Where I'm like, I, I don't know if I can deal with this anymore. Like, because you talked about like your dark passenger and stuff and um, that dark cloud or whatever you want to call it that sometimes, you know, you carry with you. And yeah, it, it affects me. It affects the family sometimes. But um, I usually, I I talk to you about it. And um, we have stayed up till 3 a.m. talking about whatever it is you're going through, how I feel about it. And those are really tough conversations to have. Um, and I, you, I mean, I'll tell people what you said. You said one time you said, um, you know, you have all this light and I have all this darkness and I feel like um, I drain you of that. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm worried that you're going to get tired of it and, and when you said that, it like broke my heart because you know I you're my husband, I love you, and um, and you know, I I'm an advocate for mental health and positive well being and all this stuff. And I was like, I can't, I'm not gonna abandon you. You know, I'm I'm here to, I've been here for 17 years. You know, I mean, at this point, it's been 17 years. You know, I will. You know, I married you and I'm going to be with you, inshallah, till the end. So, um, whatever it takes, you know. So, it's just, I think, both of us having those um, honest conversations with ourselves and with each other about uh, who we are and how uh, we have, how, how we are affects the other person and what we're willing to change and i think when we've had those conversations we've both made steps to kind of nurture our marriage and give each other more time and well i'll tell you one thing that you've done is when i don't talk because i'm not when i'm in my moods i just don't want to talk and i'm very closed up and i, I just put on some music and i don't want to have any conversations with anyone the thing is you every man though yeah but she's she's like relentless though she she wants she wants to be the therapist. She wants me to open up and she won't give up. Like a lot of women will be like, oh, fine, be that way and walk away. <laughs> and and there's guys too that do that. I don't want to make this a guy versus girl thing, but I'm just saying um, she's, she, she just didn't, doesn't give up. And she's like, okay, well, what about this? And, and she'll like, she'll do her, her things that'll make me open up so yeah so, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say something here so, a lot of guys and i think this is important because a lot of guys will say you know i don't want to talk leave me alone right i do i do that too like i just get up and like i, I go silent because i know you know the problem with me i'll be very honest the problem is with me is growing up i was always a person that got sim knows i used to get in fights all the time when i get upset the only way i know how to deal with it is by punching people right that's just how i, I was as a kid i knew when i got mad i knew I, when i got mad at my parents i would go in the garage and punch holes in drywalls this is what i did 
right? And so I understand right now when I'm upset, I just want to get away from you because if you, and, and I, I've noticed that sometimes women like to talk and I take it as sarcasm and sar- sarcasm bothers me. So I feel like, you know what? I'm going to explode if I, if I sit around. But what happens is if you have someone that's persistent and wants to talk, even though you might be mad, um, it's, it makes that person feel like the other person cares. Mm-hmm. And when they feel like someone cares, then it kind of softens them a little bit, right? And then it's like, oh, you know, then you start, you know, because you start, I mean, yeah, in the beginning, you might be a bit combative or like, you know, pushing away, pushing back. But then after the relentless attempts, then you start being like, oh, you know what, you know, I, she actually does care. You know, yeah. like she does, you know, you feel like you, you feel wanted. And I think at the, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, man or woman, you just want to feel wanted by your spouse, right? I mean, that's just kind of, you feel safe that way, right? Yeah. And so, and, and I think that's what it helps when you have these kinds of personalities. If one is the type to, to become isolated, the other one has to work harder to break that isolation. Yeah. Yeah. It, but, it's, it's, I mean, I put her like in a lot of difficult situations, man. Like imagine, imagine wanting to have your spouse enjoy your music but enjoy it from a distance. You can't be part of it. That like my music was like mine. You can you can enjoy it when we're driving. Yeah, because you want to be cool But if guy. if I catch you listening to my music when On I'm not own. around, uh-huh. that you've crossed a line. That's that's me. <laughs> really? That's mine. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's so like that funny. because my connection with my music is so so much personal, on a, yeah, it's so per- so much more on a deeper level. Like it describes who I am. You know, it, it, it's wow. talking about me so that that's that's my so some people listen to music like oh good tune blah 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 and they carry on their day but for me music is an expression of who you are and you're expressing deeper things about you and how you operate and what you're what you're all about well i want to talk about a negative way that i do deal with your negative moments in life right because I started going to therapy a year ago, just alhamdulillah, I don't have. Wait, mental you go to therapy? Yeah, I don't have mental illness. But when we started, well, when I'm I started, <laughs> no, no, but I. What I, are, I, you're what crazy? crazy? No, I'm just saying. Crazy? What the I'm hell? I'm not saying you are. No, what happened? God, no, why do the worst about me? No, no, let me back up. So a year ago, I started a mental health organization with my siblings in memory of my mom, who did have mental illness. And when I we started that, it brought up a lot of like memories of trauma and things that I dealt with as a child with her mental illness. So I was like, you know, I should probably start going to therapy to kind of process those childhood traumas. Well, what's funny is I didn't even end up talking about my mom for six months. I would talk about everything but my mom. But anyway, so fast forward. One of the things, the reasons why I went to therapy, she was like, you're great, you know, you work, you you got your kids, you know, you're accomplished, like, why are you here, you know, there's, I was like, well, I know that there's roadblocks in my mind that prevent me from being like my optimal self, and I need help getting over some of those roadblocks, so one of the exercises she had me do was like, it was kind of like tarot cards, it was like these cards that had little images, and she would just go through them, and I had to pick different images that jumped out at me. And one of them was this like Indian woman with like eight arms and she's holding a phone and a baby and dishes. And that's Kalima. Yeah. It was funny. It was a funny, but I was like, that's me. I'm chaos. 
I feel like I'm chaos. Like I'm doing, I'm juggling so many things. I work full time. I've got four children. I do Girl Scouts. I do Cub Scouts. I'm a Cub Scout leader. I'm a Girl Scout leader for two troops. I have my own nonprofit organization. I help my husband with his nonprofit. Wait, wait, wait. How are you a Cub Scout leader? Yeah, I was a Cub Scout leader. I was actually a Cub Scout leader for your nephews. But you're a female. Yeah, you can. Moms can be. This is appalling. No, you know, Boy Scouts. By the way, Boy Scouts allows girls now. Just so you know, that's yeah. But we need to change. We'll talk about that. We need to change. Anyway, that needs to be corrected. So anyway, I'm juggling all these things, right? So she told me. So she told me that she's like, "Why are you doing so many things? What are you trying to avoid?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" She's like, how's your marriage? How's your family life? How's all these things? And I was like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. You know, but, you know, once she got me to open up, I was like, yeah, you know, like it's sometimes it's draining for me to have to deal with certain issues at home. And she was like, you're keeping yourself busy so that you don't have to deal with actual issues at home. And that was very eye opening for me. And so we slowly started taking things off my plate. So I stopped being Cub Scout leader. Um, but then I started my MBA. So I don't know. She's like, what are you doing? We're supposed to take things off, but whatever. But um, yeah, so there's negative ways that I deal with um, certain issues. And I'm sure there's other people. I mean, it's positive. I'm doing productive things, but I'm not. It's negative in the sense that I'm not giving attention to my marriage or my kids or my family that they need emotional connection. I'm just going through the motions of cooking and cleaning and paying the bills and, you know, making sure everyone has dinner every night, but I'm not having those deeper emotional connections with, you know, people in my family. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm busy. I, I have to do Sims um, graphics for his podcast, or I need to work on this for my nonprofit or I've, you know, this girl scout cup scout, whatever, you know? So, I'm sure there's a lot of marriages that kind of go yeah. through similar ways of coping. Yeah. Well, what, what what are people asking in the... Yeah, yeah. Um, he gave so, us these amazing gifts, that, by the way, that when we went out to uh, to Isna. I don't know if we talked about that. Oh, was on the show? Yeah, I think maybe he was. But um, I'm still enjoying the benefits of that, uh, my brother. Thank you very much. Uh, Sheikh Amr has joined us. Um, oh, Sheikh. Hoping. I have a question for Sheikh about addiction so you know sim has explained to me um that islam like the reason why we need islam we need the quran is because like we tell our kids all the time we're like we've never been parents before we've never been humans on this earth before and we need an instruction manual and that instruction manual is the quran and sunnah right so if allah said for addiction or at least for alcohol you know, we know that the punishment for drinking alcohol is flogging, I believe. Correct? Am I correct? For alcohol, yeah. Yeah. But in America, you know, the secular treatment for alcohol addiction is what? It's therapy, right? Yeah. There's, no, there's no punishment. There's no HUD. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. It's, it's talk therapy, right? Or What? In, the, in, oh, in terms of uh, treatment, treatment. Treatment. What a court can... Uh, order you to do you get like well what i'm saying well the point i'm trying to get is if if allah has said that if you drink alcohol you're supposed to be flawed is that also supposed to be is that they're like a cure in that no no no, no. the flogging the head is actually i mean i'm gonna correct me if i'm wrong but 
it's more of an example for society to deterrent because so, so you don't it, want to have open yeah one of the things is that in islam is hudud in general is made as a deterrent for society right if you do things in private um i mean the whole thing is that it's between you and allah when you when you do these things most of the hudud are for sins that you do in public because it's your crime against um the society itself as well too right so if you people like word is if it's okay to be drinking in public you know, and get away with it, then that means you're encouraging other people to fawahish, right? You're encouraging them to do evil, right? You're saying, hey, look at me. I'm in the society. I don't care. YOLO. I'm having I'm a great time. and Yeah, I don't care about the rules. And, and, and so this is to control that part of it. It's not really like, oh, if, I get, if you get flogged, uh, you're going to be cured of your alcoholism. No, it's not that. I mean, actually, the Prophet ﷺ actually employed different methods, right? Um, for example, one of the Sahabis that came to him and who used to drink, he said, I am drunk, Ya Rasulullah, give me my whippings, give me my lashings. And it got to a point where, you know, he would basically just come drunk. And Rasulullah knew that that particular sahabi didn't like, uh, I mean, had a very, uh, enjoyed going on in, in battle and in jihad. So he told him that, you know what, if you become drunk again, we will not allow you to partake in that. And that one thing that, that, prohib- that, that punishment for him was so... Um, you know, dear. To, I mean, that issue is dear to him that he actually stopped drinking, yeah. right? So, I mean, the idea is to there are other ways to to um, to to find a cure, and Rasulullah used them. But this, the the punishment of of actually being lashed is not a cure for drug addiction or, or right. alcoholism. Right. Um, and yeah, I do, uh, Pal. You know, I I do I do Abraham. I do Thanksgiving. I'm actually flying back to Chicago. Uh, this week, so we can get down and uh, get it down like the right American white style. So I'm gonna have all type of uh, turkeys and cranberry sauce and all the baked items and cornbread and collard greens and all that good stuff. Yep. Cool. I'm gonna take right, pictures. Right. Yeah, up. we gotta wrap wrap this up now. We kind yeah. of get went way over our, our time. But uh, <laughs> thanks think- a lot, Noreen. Sorry, yeah. I had to throw in that last question. Cause all right, uh, let's just give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Halfardeen.com, help yourself find a spouse or help a loved one or a friend find a spouse through the private website, uh, the private matrimony website, right? Halfardeen.com. Wahedinvest.com, get your investments invested in a Sharia-compliant manner. Go to wahedinvest.com and make sure that your assets and everything gets distributed in a Sharia-compliant manner. you can get your will created in as little as 15 minutes. Go to mywasia.com. Stay tuned to our Twitter channel. Make sure you check out patreon.com slash the Mad Mom Luke's. Um, follow us on Facebook. If you guys are on Facebook, click, click follow, you know, and uh, um, make sure you like and subscribe this video as well. Yeah. Right. And check out the YouTube cha- the page now because we now we have like sections. Yeah, no one's redesigning it. Yeah, so Mad Mondays has a section, Taboo Thursdays has a section. We have fan favorite episodes, so we went through and looked at our top twenty episodes. So if you're new to the podcast, check out the fan favorites. Um, yeah, I think that those are the main sections cool. we have on there. So yeah, check it out. All right, uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, we'll see you all next week. All right. right. Sound like a... No, sound like a...